Well, good morning, church. It's Pastor Mike. And as you can tell, I am not there with you this morning. So quick story. Uh, got back from summer camp last uh, Sunday afternoon. Started feeling a little bit of sinus infection. I'm very much prone to sinus infections. Have them fairly often. And uh, then it occurred to me the exact same symptoms of my sinus infection are the COVID symptoms. So I felt it was prudent on Tuesday to go get tested. Thought that would give me plenty of time to get my results back. And I have yet to get results back because the lab is all backed up. So uh, pretty sure that I am good to go. Uh, but I am quarantining myself just to, to be careful for some of you. So hope you can appreciate that. Uh, just trying to be socially responsible, careful, especially with some of our older folks this morning. So forgive me, but coming to you by video today as opposed to in person and uh, this whole quarantining process, boy, it, it um, can be frustrating. I have not been able to go to the gym now for an entire week. And, um, you know, the whole idea I have, I'm not a, wa a mask wearer in this, but have done a little bit more of that uh, scenario where, where I needed to do that. And, you know, through the, this whole process, it, it's, it's crazy because what God gave me to speak to you today so correlates with some of the frustration uh, that I have felt this week. And I thought about, um, man, life is tough. Life is hard. The questions of life are insane and crazy. And then here came 2020. And it just seems like it just added a whole new craziness level of, of, of confusion. You know, what, what does it mean? What is the right thing to do? Uh, what, you know, do you, do you wear a mask, not wear a mask? You know, there's people out there that are arguing wearing a mask that does absolutely nothing. And here's the research on that. And then those that here, it's being social responsible. I mean, how, how do you, how do you win? <laughs> how do you win? Does, does anybody else feel that way? Um, you, you know, like, how do you, what is, what is the right thing to do? And so I want to do a series this month. And uh, hopefully I'll be back next week with you live. Uh, but I, I, I want to talk for the next four weeks about winning. What, what does it mean to win? What, what does it look like? Any, any of my competitive people? Do I have competitive people in the house this morning? Anybody? Yes, you, you tried to be the first one to raise your hand. Um, so, or some of you are elbowing someone saying, yes, this is the competitive person in our house. This is the person that, you know, when somebody else gets the fudge sickle at the top of Candyland, they turn the board over. Or was that just me when I was a kid? Anyway, um, but, but this whole like competitive thing, you know, some of us are so competitive when we get into so many things. And these days we talk about the goat, the greatest of all time. Some of you guys have seen the, the last dance, the whole Michael Jordan and Bulls story and that whole thing. And so we get into this competition and 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 really our lives are built around this idea of competition and winning and overcoming and and I mean Jen and I have done multiple races marathons and those kind of things and and we laugh because it's all about the silly metal at the end you know you you have to kill yourself to train and do this thing and then it's all about some silly metal and a banana um, at the end of the race but there's just something to this idea of striving and overcoming and winning that really you don't have to be the greatest of all time. Speaking of greatest of all time. So there's some arguments about greatest of all time. Like, so who would you say was the greatest golfer of all time? So how many of you would say that would be Jack Nicholas? Okay. How many of you would say that would be Tiger Woods? 
right? Exactly. Um, or maybe the greatest basketball player of our time, all time. Uh, how many of you are Michael Jordan people? I'm, I'm a Michael Jordan person. Um, how many of you would say, no, it's LeBron James? Maybe there's others that would say it's Kobe. Um, you know, you get into tennis, like you've got Serena Williams or Serena Williams, but you get the idea, like this, this competition, this whole thing. And really, there's a question that I think is really valid for us to ask when it comes to life, when it comes to your life, when it comes to this idea of this world we live in with the idea of what does it mean to be right? What does it mean to be, to, to win? What does it mean to, to overcome? So here's my question for you. What's the win? What's, what's the win? What does it look like to be great? What does it look like to win? And the reason I think that is such a, an intriguing question is because I think it's really hard for many of us to really grasp, like, what, what is the win? What does it look like for my family to win? What does it look like for me to win? What, how, how does, how do you measure that? You know, there, there's this thing called life hacks that we do where we'll look at somebody else, right? And, and see the way they do life or what they do. Just, just yesterday, my, my wife was rolling up a garden hose in this roller thing that she thing. And she was like, yeah, this was like a life hack from the Buckners. Cause I saw they had one of these. I thought they were cool. And we do this, this life hack thing where we see other people and we do that with our parenting. Um, we do that with our marriage. Well, somebody else is doing this with their marriage. Maybe I should do that with my marriage. And, and, and we really, if, if we're honest, we're all dancing around this question of what's the win? What, what does it look, what is winning? And, and what I want to say to you from the very beginning of, of today and, and, and the lesson today is this. We have a creator, creator of the universe, and he created this crazy game called life. And he has a version of winning that I want to talk about today and then have us compare and say, am I winning or am I winning at maybe a different game? Anybody ever opened up a brand new game, a game you've never played before, and it's got multiple pieces and crazy cards for this and that, whatever. And, and, and you, you know, if you just threw the game board down and just started kind of going, you really wouldn't know what a win is. And I honestly think that's a really good description of a lot of us on a day to day basis where we really struggle with what does a win look like today? What is, what is, and so I want to talk about that because, because God's version of a win, God's idea of, of, of a win or of being great is exactly opposite of what this world thinks. And yet I think all too often we are playing this game to win the way the world says to win. And so there was a, a, an encounter that Jesus had with his disciples that, that really kind of emphasizes this idea. So let's look at Mark 10, verse 35. It says this, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Love this interaction. Now listen, you have got to read humor into the Bible and see people interaction and, and the funny realities of this. Check this out. So James and John, two of the disciples come and they say, Teacher, they say to him, We want you to do whatever we ask. That is 
awesome. Like any of you ever had your kids that would come and go, dad, 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 dad. Listen, just dad, just say yes. Just dad, just, just say yes. Like that, that's kind of the thing. They come to Jesus and they go, okay, we just want you to do whatever we ask. And he says, what do you want me to do for you? He asked and they replied, let us, let one of us sit on your right and the other on your left when you're in glory. Now, here's an interesting reality. The disciples have this certain picture of what's about to happen. They know Jesus is the Messiah. He's come and he's supposed to put the kingdom back in place, but they think it's a physical kingdom. They think literally like he's going to go in Jerusalem and sit on the throne. And so what they're asking is, can we sit your right left? In other words, can we be greatest in your kingdom? Can we be greatest when you set this scenario up? And, and it, it's so funny because what you see here and, and, and Jesus' response is, is going to like help reshape this as he redefines for them what a win is, what it, what it means to actually be great from his perspective. But in verse 45, it says this, then the 10 heard about this. So imagine the two asked they want to be the greatest and the 10 hear about it. Oh, here we go. Um, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers over the Gentiles lord over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. He goes, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Listen to me. You're telling me you want to be great. You're telling me you want to win, right? So let me explain something to you. And he says here, the rulers of the Gentiles lord over them. Okay, so in other words, he says, you know what, the world's way of leading, the world's way of winning, the world's way of being great is to lord over, is to like, you know, be over the top of and, and sort of rule over and own and have an iron fist and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it says, and their high officials exercise authority over them. So it's this control, um, this kind of concept. Look at these next couple of words. Not so with you. Not, not so with you. Hey guys, let me help you here. And he's looking at you and me and he's saying, Hey guys, let me help you here. Let me help you redefine winning. Let me help you redefine what it means to be great from my father's perspective, from my perspective, from God's perspective, that who created the game overall. He says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you, must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave to all. And he says this about himself, Jesus, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Boy, but it was just crickets after that, right? Like just Who's going to be the first person to say something? Do we say it? I don't even know. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. What is James and John thinking at that moment? Like we just asked if we could be greatest in his kingdom. And he just said to us that you should have been the servant. Well, I want to show you another thing that's it's, it's really kind of interesting because this is Jesus's interaction and he's trying to show them like what it looks like. And he's trying to show you and I, listen, it's so important for us to grab what's the win. What's the win? What's a win? What does it mean to be great um, in this life, in the way that God created this life to function? John 13 and 14. 
Um, it says, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. Many of you remember the story, but there's the story where there was uh, there was customary that when they would come in because they had sandals and, and everything was dusty and dirty, their feet would be all nasty. They always had a servant and the servant would wash their feet off, right? Just to get the dirt off their feet and that type of thing. Well, on this particular night, the servant's not there. They don't know why. There's a struggle or whatever. And Jesus himself takes his, his tunic off and ties it around his waist, waist like a servant gets down and washes their feet. And if you remember, some of them were like, no way. No, you are not washing my feet. And he says, listen to me, you, you don't have a choice in this. If I don't wash your feet, if I don't serve you, you don't really have a place in my kingdom. Because exactly what he was saying to James and John and these guys is exactly what he was showing in this scenario. That, that the win to win from God's perspective is to serve. To win is not to lord over. It's not to rule. It's not to climb the, the ladder of authority as he was talking about earlier. There are times when God gives us positions of authority, but it's never for us to lord over. It's never for us to take pride in that. He only gives us places of authority that we might serve. As, as pastor of this church, I'm the head servant. My job is to serve the most, not to be served. And you and I, we've got to change a thought pattern that we have that comes from this world, from being competitive and climbing the ladder and all, and understand winning. What's what's the win? The win is to serve. The win is to be last. The win is to go, no, 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 you you first. The win is to to to, to actually put other people above ourselves. Later on down in that same uh, set of verses where Jesus had washed their feet, he says to them in John 13, 17, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. You will be blessed. In other words, you're going to win. You want to know how to win? You want to have blessing? Because here's what blessing is. In that context, the actual word in the Greek, it means that you'll have fulfillment in your soul. You will have contentment and fulfillment and, and, and a joy that you can't even understand. Why are there so many people in our world that can't find joy, that can't find contentment? Because we're trying to win in the wrong ways. Because we're trying to do things that, that we think are going to bring us temporary happiness. And they might for a very temporary short time period. But in our soul, there's not blessing. There's not fulfillment. And so I want to give you four things, four things uh, to sum up today's teaching on this idea of winning at the game of life from God's perspective. Number one, God's greatest puts service over status. God's greatest, God's winners put service over status. So let me say it to you this way. When you go into a situation, when you walk into a room, so when you walked into church this morning, or when you walk into your office tomorrow or wherever it is that you take, that you gather with a group of people, are you thinking about your position in the room or are you thinking about your service to the room? Because my position is the room is me like jockeying who should I talk to and who should I connect with and got to network and we got to do all these things because it's how you win, right? That's how you win in our, in our world. This is how you win in our culture. But what Jesus says to us in this is, is that, that God's greatest puts 
Service over status. See, God will raise you up so that you can serve him in those positions. But he will raise up those who serve. He will raise up the last shall be first, the first shall be last. He will raise up those who walk into every situation with this in mind. What value can I bring in this situation to someone else's life? Most of us, come on, if we're honest, we are some kind of selfish. It's, it's, it's about me. It's about the way I want things. It's about how, how I have them. And Jesus is trying to teach not only the disciples, but us to understand the reality, what it means that we are here to serve. Philippians 2, 3 through 4. Do nothing. Stop. Let those, let the words sink in. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but to each of you to the interest of the others. What does it mean to, to win? According to God's economy, what does a win look like actually in this life, regardless of what we see around us and regardless of what the world would like to sell to us? Well, a win is putting service over status. Number two, number two, God's greatest put character over convenience, character over convenience. What does that mean? That means I do the right thing regardless of what it costs me. I do the right thing regardless of what it costs me. So even though I've got to do the numbers the correct way, um, here's, here's, here's a silly one, but a real, a real one. So I just helped Ayana buy a, a, a new little car, a new little truck. And one of the things that, that somebody said to me, and, and I, and I get it, people do this and do it all the time, but they said to me, you know, if you put zero or gift in, when you go to go to the DMV, then you won't have to pay sales tax. And I thought, Man, that's a tempting one. Come on, somebody. You know, you may have done that. Actually, let me admit, I've done that before. Like, I knew that trick, and I've done that trick. But it's funny because I thought in that moment, what is character and what is convenience? What does it mean to win? And so, you know what? We put the whole amount. We're going to pay the sales tax on this. Why? Because I want to win. And, 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 and God's version of win is that I would have character not just do what is convenient, right? That regardless of what it costs me, I would value a win from God's perspective, knowing that I'm going to live with him forever in eternity, and he's going to reward me in eternity for what it is, right? That, that I do the right thing. Most of you know the story, but Luke 10 and 30, let me quickly read through the story of the Good Samaritan. Jesus answered by telling a story. There was a man once traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, on the way, he was attacked by robbers. They took his clothes, beat him up, and went off, leaving him half dead. Luckily, luckily, that, come on, that's funny. That, this is, cause this is mocking, cause, anyway, catch on. Luckily, a priest was on the way down the same road, right? So lucky for the guy, a priest was coming. But when he saw him, catch this word, he angled, we're gonna come back to that word in a second, he angled across to the other side. Then a Levite, 
a religious man showed up, right? And almost you want to say again, oh, lucky for him again. The Levite religious man showed up. He also avoided the injured man. Here's what I want to say to you. Those two words, angled and avoided. Boy, isn't that a definition, if we're honest, of us sometimes? We're trying to angle our lives to where it's the most convenient for us. We're trying to angle things so that we can get into the right. Because if I get in with that person, that'll help my business to happen. To, and so we angle and kind of manipulate or we avoid situations that are inconvenient for us. And isn't it interesting that those are the two words used in, in the two people that don't actually do what God would call the wind. So here comes a Samaritan traveling the road. And when he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. Many of you know, but a Samaritan was an enemy of this person. Uh, so it's not a priest. It's not a religious person. It's an actual enemy of the person. Um, maybe we would say today it's somebody of a different color or ethnicity. Maybe we would say today that it's somebody that that uh, doesn't think politically like we think. Right? This is and, and what does he do? He gives him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his wounds. Then he lifted him onto his donkey, led him to an inn and made him comfortable. And in the morning, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper saying, take good care of him. I want to catch you something. Maybe, you, I don't know if you've ever caught on to, but it says in the morning. Like, was that dude planning to go and stay there? Or did he go and stay the night because this person needed to be taken care of? Completely inconvenient. Maybe completely out of his way. And how often do we angle and avoid in our lives the things that are inconvenient because our definition of winning is getting what I want when I want it, the way I want it, as opposed to seeing the opportunities that God puts in front of us each and every day to serve and to love and to win according to the creator of the universe version of winning the game. He said to him, take good care of him. If it costs any more, put it on my bill. I'll pay you on my way back. What do you think? Which of the three became a neighbor to the man attacked by robbers? The one who treated him kindly, the religious scholar said. Check these words. Jesus said, go and do the same. You want to win? You want to win at the game of life? You want to win in God's economy? Well, it's about putting character over convenience. Number three, God's greatest is putting we over me. We over me. Acts 2 and 44 describes the church at the very beginning. And all the believers lived in wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. They sold whatever they owned and pulled their resources so that each person's need was met. Listen to me. I don't think this is a form of any kind of a structure. People want to argue socialism or this kind of thing into that. No, 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 no. Just when somebody had a need, this person would sell this piece of property and say, here, let me help take care of you. That's what it looks, that's what the church looks like. You want to see a church that's winning? You want to see a church that's making a difference? It's people showing up and helping somebody when it's inconvenient, when it's out of their way, but they see the need and they feel the need. Man, if Church of the Lakes would be a place where nobody in our place had great need. Now listen to me, some people need to go through the consequences of the decisions they've made, right? We're not enabling, there's a difference. But I want to say the reality being that when somebody had a real need, that we, the church, met it. We, right? God's greatest put we over me. And we need you to be a part. And so, you know, this week I'm not going to be there, so we won't do life step one today. But next week 
we'll do life step one and two. Uh, pray I get this result back, right? And all this. Uh, but I want to encourage you. You need to get in life steps. You, you need to get off of the me coming to church and you need to become part of the we. Um, and us doing what it is that God's called us to do. Let me give you one more before I close today. Number four. <clears throat> Excuse me. God's greatest puts worship over wealth. Worship over wealth. Here's, here's something I need you to hear. And it's got to sink in deep into us. God's going to reward you. It says one day that we're going to stand in heaven and we're going to be judged. Now, this is those of us who are believers. This is after the first judgment seat of whether or not you go heaven or hell. But there's a judgment for believers. But the judgment of that is not a punishment. The judgment of that is a rewarding. It's an eternal rewarding of what we've done in this life. And worship, the act of worship, is so much more important than wealth. Right? We, we have defined winning uh, you remember the old bumper sticker, he who dies with the most toys wins? Uh, no, he who dies with the most toys dies. Um, and none of them get pulled in a U-Haul behind the hearse. But, but listen to Hebrews 13 and 15. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God. Man, worship God. Praise God. This is why we worship. This is why we hired Marcus and we have a worship team. Otherwise, why would we even have those guys? Because God wants us to worship. But I also want to say it to you this way. Listen to me. Worship is also what you do. It's how you serve. As a matter of fact, God likes more you serving this week than he did you singing a few minutes ago. Let me show you. I'll prove it to you. Let me finish the verse. It says, therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. Okay, that's worship. Catch this. And don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. My goal as your pastor, I want every one of you to win. I want you to be a winner. I want you to win. I want you to have joy, fulfillment, a sense of meaning and purpose to everything that you do. But I think there are many people not winning at life, not because they're bad people, not because they're, they're inadequate or lack skills, not because they're dumb or they're losers or whatever, you know, unappropriate term that you might say. They're not winning at life, not because of any of those reasons. They're not winning at life because they're playing the wrong game. Because they don't know what a win is. And today, my, my goal was to remind you, and maybe for some of you to tell you for the very first time, what's the win? And the win is service. The win is to be the greatest servant. Many of us are losing at the game of life because we've not understood what winning looks like to the creator of the game of life. And the creator of this life, of this crazy game that we call life, he created and then we chose to bring sin and to break this relationship and to break this scenario with him and, 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 and to cause strife. Yet he still loves us enough that he says, I want you to turn around 
and serve those around you who are hurting. That's what's important to me. What's important to me is not how big your bank account is and, and all those kind of things. I'll use those things. For those of you who are successful in certain ways, I'm going to use people to do those things and do that. But what I want you to hear and what Jesus went over here with the disciples and he's saying to us today, listen, winners serve. Winners serve. To be like Jesus is to take a towel and to kneel down and to wash the feet of those that are around me. And so I want to challenge you today. I really want to, um, I want to push you a little bit out of your comfort zone. And I want to ask you to consider what's the win to you? What's what? And, and don't give me the Sunday school answer. I'm asking for you to consider really within you. And it's easy for us to define that simply by the way that we spend our time, the way that we spend our money, what we prioritize in life. And my goal to help you today is to help you win. So what is it that God would have you put down this week that you consider to win before that you might sacrifice so that you can serve somebody else? What can you do in your schedule to clear some time that you might be able to give a little more focus and, and focus on putting value in other people's lives? I know you got stuff. I, I got stuff. We all have hurts. And the devil loves to get us focused so much on our own issues and our own hurts that we can't even pick our head up enough to pay attention to what's going around us. You want to know how to overcome your hurts? You want to know how to, to, to move beyond? Listen to me. Serve somebody else. Serve somebody else and watch God start to deal with the own, your own struggles and the issues within your life today. I, I want to challenge each one today. I want to pray for you today and, um, and ask God to help us, help us win and uh, look forward to the next few weeks as we're going to talk about and, and switch our mindset into understanding what it means to win at the game of life. Let me pray for you now. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment? Father, would you guide us? And help us. Um, Holy Spirit, speak to us today in areas that we need to really consider um, changing our definition of a win. Understanding that your definition is completely and totally rooted in obedience to you and in service to those that are around us. So break our hearts, God, for the things that break your heart. And guide us into the opportunities that you've put around us to serve and love the people around us. And Father, if there's anybody here today who doesn't know you, that today they might make that choice to make you Lord of their life and to, and to choose today to serve you today. If that's you today with your eyes still closed, let me pray a prayer with you. Nothing spectacular about my words. What is important is the sincerity that you have in your heart. So if today... You want to give your heart to Jesus. It might sound a little something like this, the prayer that you can pray to God. Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Would you help me today? Would you come into my life? Would you be Lord of my life? As best as I understand today, I choose from this day forward to live for you, to serve you, and to do life 
by your definitions in your way. Help me to win at this game of life according to how you have set up this game. So just pray it all in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen.